Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, episode 20. I'm your co-host, Ren. I'm your co-host, Mateo. And today we're going to be doing something a little different. Usually, as a Stoic-based podcast, we have a little bit of a script. We have some quotes ready to go. We have a value um, to talk about. Today's episode is going to be, like I said, a little bit different. We're just going to um, take a little bit of personal reflection, share some of the things we've seen in our personal lives and just kind of within the news, media coverage, social media whatever it is we're just kind of going to you know go off the top of our heads today and just go back and forth um there will definitely be some stoic influence involved throughout but it's kind of an unscripted just uh chance to kind of level through the mm-hmm. podcast just an honest conversation mostly i think also it's been a pretty busy past few weeks for us as well so i think this is a good time to kind of reflect on everything and have a discussion around the current events and the past events that have recently happened and occurred and I guess the first one being the most prominent event and sort of big transition for both of us just being college um it seems time this summer is flying by faster than it has at any summer before I mean personally I have two months now before I leave for Los Angeles uh, for school and to me that's kind of mind-boggling since uh, it, it seemed like just yesterday I didn't even know where I was going to go to school so I think it's kind of interesting as I step back and view the whole situation in third person sometimes and just kind of realize how far I've come along in my journey from the beginning of high school or even just senior year and then now we're just going off and sort of getting a taste of what the real world's going to look like. But it's taught me a lot of things. One, I've really started to appreciate what I have now even though I've been wanting to leave uh, this town for so long, just kind of get a new taste of the world and get some new perspectives, expand my network, meet new people. Um, But I've really started to appreciate what I have now because I'm sort of starting to come to the realization that I'm not going to have it around much longer. I'm not going to be as comfortable as I was. And then also just you sort of start to appreciate the small things and how you understand that life is going to move really fast when you're very busy all the time. And as an adult, it seems like it's this never ending cycle of just being busy. So I'm gonna assume that life just goes by faster the older you get but yeah it's have you done orientation yet i've done um not at school no that's gonna be early august when i get there but i've done you know orientation modules and preparation and stuff like that so it's been it's been good it's getting more real each day sort of starting to hit a little bit more that i'm gonna be halfway across the country and whatnot but it's exciting it's just as exciting at the same time because new opportunities and you don't really know what to expect so and there's going to be this immense amount of freedom that we're not used to but also an immense amount of responsibility that also is going to be a little bit of a change so yeah I think for me it's really hit me like as you go through your years in high school and then especially senior year you kind of picture what college is going to look like um and even if you don't know where you're, you're going to go, like you said, that you were experiencing um, before you found Loyola, like, you have that kind of idea, right, of what college looks like, like what you want to do in college. But now that we're a month, two months away, like, that picture, that um, imagination, like, it's a reality. Like, we're going to be in college in two months. And for me, you know, it's, in all honesty, it's tough to get excited. Like, I'm going to the school mines down in Golden, and it's a great school, but also, like, I got rejected from 11 of the 14 colleges I applied at. Um, you know, those are Ivy League schools, are top flight schools, so I'm not exactly disappointed in that. But, you know, 
when you're comparing like Cornell, a place you know, top flight like that, to school in Colorado, like again, I have nothing but respect for the school minds, and I am excited to be going there. But like, it was a little bit of a letdown to be experiencing that. Um, Mines is a very engineering-based school, and it's not something that I'm not a very engineer-oriented person. You know, I was excited to go to a school that had philosophy courses. I was excited to go to a school that, um, especially Cornell with their, like, agribusiness, their applied economics. So for me, it's balancing that disappointment of, like, that rejection with the fact that, like, it's still an exciting opportunity. Um, Mines is going to be a fun experience, and it's ultimately, you know, up to what you make it. So, um that's my thing is that you know you may be disappointed by the college selection process I know a lot of people were this year it was a really tough um, application process this year and there's record low acceptance rates at a lot of these top flight schools and so people may be disappointed by that but ultimately wherever you end up A you can transfer um, so it's not like it's set in stone and B maybe that's where you were meant to end up you know the college admissions process is kind of a sham where those people who look at the applications like they separate things and they take a look at your application for two minutes so it's not a very thorough process and so it is something that I think is certainly you know fate and destiny related and so I think you're going to end up where you need to be whether it's you take a one-year detour or it's a four-year full stop like whatever it is make the most of it and that's where you're going to need to end up being and that's a very stoic way to look at you know dealing with disappointment or maybe sort of a a letdown type situation is maybe this was meant to happen again to sh- teach you a lesson or to give you a new opportunity or to meet a certain person right I mean everything happens for a reason it's fate that's that's a stoic ideology and so again in a recent episode we talked about change and that can be a change to your life trajectory that maybe you weren't anticipating or weren't um, you weren't preparing for but then it's going to happen anyway because that's kind of how life goes it, It'll throw something in your face that you weren't ready for, that you didn't think about. But ultimately, it's how you respond. And I'm sure that, you know, your first year at Mines, whether that's your first and last year or if it's the first of four, it's going to be very good for you in ways that maybe Cornell wouldn't have been. And then, you know, after this first year, you'll have a new sense of realization or a new perspective on what you want to do, how things are going to turn out. And then, like you said, everything happens for a reason. It is what it is. You can't necessarily change the application results you can't uh, change what other people are going to do how other people are going to react you can only dictate what you the move you make on the chessboard right I mean that's all you can do is what's your next move and you have to be thinking a few moves ahead at all times Um, and I think you're going to respond very well to that situation you've always been a pretty um, you've been able to respond well to adverse situations uh, in every aspect of your life so I'm sure this one part of this one little difficulty, this one little roadblock, or maybe just a little detour is going to be, it's going to have its benefits, it's going to have its downsides, but in the end, it's all going to be for a reason, right? Well, I have, I have a lot of faith that we're both going to find our kind of niche in college. I think you going to L.A., I know um, me and other friends you have kind of made fun of you, like L.A. is going to like change you dramatically. Oh, yeah. And you're going to come back to a whole <coughs> different person. Um, but I think that I think we're going to both find kind of a situation where we really thrive in college. And it may take time, but I think that the beauty of, like, developing strong relationships in high school, even if it's only a few of them, is, like, you have something to return back to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get breaks from college. I'm going to still be in Colorado. Like, we each have people that we can kind of, like, come back to and return to, like, a sense of familiarity. 
if we're ever lost. And I think that that's a resource that is kind of under-recognized in the college process is, like, we get breaks from college. Like, college is not, like, going to be 24-7, like, your life all the time. Like, the beauty of technology now is you can return to people that you grew up with a click of a button. Right. Um, During breaks, you can fly somewhere. I know we want to take a trip somewhere. Like, Mm -hmm. we have all these opportunities that I have faith that we're going to find our niche, but we're also going to be able to rely on each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think they'll present themselves in time. I feel like everything sort of kind of, the, the pieces of the puzzle fit together with the actions that we choose to take now. And, you know, I think for us and a f- few select people, you know, that we've sort of become acquainted with and friends with throughout high school, it's going to be, I feel like the lives that we're going to be living are going to be drastically different from the majority of people we went to school with. Um, simply due to just how we think and how we move, how we act. And I don't say that out of, you know, arrogance. I say that out of confidence because I've seen the work that you and I and other people that we've uh, become closer to have put in and the the path that they've chosen to take. And that's, again, not putting down anybody else's passing. They won't be, you know, successful or as worthy or whatever. But it's just the the life that we've chosen to live, we understand that it's going to be sacrificing a lot now in the short term for a long-term life that's going to be very comfortable very enjoyable and have a lot of purpose but that was funny that you mentioned the the comment about LA like I'll come back a completely different person I think that happens to a lot of people but I would say your environment's going to dictate who you are if you don't have a sense of purpose and I like to think that I have a pretty clear you know tunnel vision on what I want and the person that I want to become so I would sort of argue against that comment that you know I know it's mostly a joke and it's making fun and whatever but the comment that it'll change me I think my environment's not necessarily going to change who I am it's going to be me trying to change the environment around me and the people around me and make an impact there instead of the other way around but you know there's certainly some jokes thrown around that are interesting but yeah yeah no it's 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 good we've had a lot of fun around that um i think that college is going to be an exciting opportunity and it's going to be great to solve the podcast it'll be interesting to see how that mm-hmm. looks um we're definitely going to keep the podcast going but i'm not really sure how it's gonna look in college yeah i don't know it'll, it'll still be there though and that's the important thing yep um yep. another thing that i've kind of realized and worked on over the past two weeks and i think it is a helpful skill in college is the idea of just like selling yourself um as we mentioned in the previous episode where we kind of started on what our summer plans were i took a job in roofing sales and so i think what i've realized is that part of sales um especially when you're in the position i'm in where you do door-to-door knocking you do you know kind of like that cold call kind of stuff the first thing you have to do is you have to sell yourself before you sell the opportunity that you're providing and i think that's why and I think that's universal, honestly. Whenever you're in sales or whenever you're, whatever path you're in, you're going to have to sell yourself at some point. And so I think that that's one of the things I've kind of worked on the past couple of weeks. One of the things that I've kind of recognized is that, you know, if I want to be an entrepreneur, which I kind of want to be, like if I want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a successful person, you're going to have to sell yourself. You know, a job interview is you selling yourself, right? You're going to have to do that at some point. You don't start start at the top. You have to start somewhere so you can work up to the top. So selling yourself. And what does that look like? 
I think the first facet for me, and one that I've like to say that I've already completed, is selling yourself to you. Um, so you have a vision of what your skills are, what your good qualities are, and what your bad qualities are, where you need to work on. And so it's being confident in yourself and saying, you know, I am something worth selling. And so it's that kind of self-esteem, self-confidence. And so that's the first set facet is, you know, sell yourself to you. And then once you do that, obviously you're going to know what your good qualities are and your bad qualities are. So recognize your good qualities and work on your bad qualities. That's the second aspect. Um, for me, it is that confidence, um, especially in door-to-door sales and social interactions. I feel like COVID for me definitely hurt my social skills. Um, it established a sense of that kind of awkwardness that I think I still have a little bit, um, especially as it relates to like strangers. It's an uncomfortable sure. situation to be walking up to somebody's doorstep. You know, like you don't know what's going on inside the home. So knock on the door, yeah. yeah. Um, but you interact with strangers all the time, and so it's establishing that confidence. And that's one of the weak areas for me. So that's how I'm trying to work through the second facet. And I think another, and the next facet, is once you establish, you know, you've recognized your good qualities, you've worked on the bad qualities, is how to present them in a simple way. You present them in a simple way, whether it's confidence, you know, you stand tall, you stand, you know, you stand straight up, you project your voice, you're louder, you just look confident, and so you act confident, and so that's what that looks like for me. And so this is all just a process that I've gone through in the past few weeks, and it's still something I'm working on, especially the social confidence aspect. But it's really important that you know how to sell yourself. You've already gone through it, I think, um, some of our audience, you know, have gone through the college application process. You've already gone through it once in a major facet of your life, and, you know, you got into a school that you wanted to and so you were successful mm-hmm. or maybe you didn't, you got rejected by your dream school and so you weren't successful. And so that's another part, you know, where if it was a detour, this is where you need to work on it and selling yourself. Well, the biggest thing that you just said that stands out to me was sort of the, the social, um, like the social awkwardness, I guess, that kind of came out of the pandemic and whatnot. And that's interesting to me because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about that. And it's definitely not just you because you know, our parents growing up, I was talking to my mom, like, nothing was really virtual or over the phone, you know, they, the idea of just taking a phone call or talking to someone in person or just being, having adequate communication skills and being able to sell yourself in person all the time was like the norm, you know, even just 20, 30 years ago, it really wasn't all that unusual to have to go in person or have to talk in person and be uncomfortable doing that. But now, because everything's so digital, it's so easy to not have to do that and not build those skills because why would you do that if you could just send a text or an email, right? So that's it. I just think it's interesting that you brought that up because I've sort of started to realize that as well, that our generation specifically growing up in this digital age, we're lacking a lot of skills just by how our lives are shaped now from technology that are actually very useful if you want to be a successful at least for us entrepreneurs, right? Because mm-hmm. if you want to be a successful businessman, business owner, entrepreneur, whatever, you have to be able to sell yourself before you sell your product. And that, like you are saying, I thought it was interesting too when you were talking about the college applications as well. You're essentially telling somebody why, sh- why should they want you? What do you bring to the table? And if you can l- reflect first, like you said, and then learn how to sort of voice yourself and sell yourself, then that's very important. And... Our work, I guess our careers this summer are both relatively different. You you do door-to-door sales and I'm more in um, manual labor right now working on a farm. And so you said the biggest thing 
that you've learned in the past few weeks is like the importance of selling yourself. And I would say for me, the biggest thing that I've learned in the past weeks in a job that's pretty drastically different is you don't want to, if you're trying to be what I want to be as like an entrepreneur, you don't want to sell something based off of what you think looks good. You're, you, the biggest thing you have to do is how, ask yourself, how can I provide value? And the reason I've learned that is because on the farm, everything that they sell from corn to barley, um, alfalfa, whatever, it's all value, even if it doesn't look like it on the surface, right? I mean, on the surface, it looks like we grow corn to feed people. No, what the corn does is it goes to the cows to feed the cows, which feed the people. So there's always, you know, a deeper level to the value that you can bring. And so just kind of understanding the value of what you're, you're giving or what you're selling, that's what's more important. Um, a lot of digital creators now on social media simply are trying to post content because they think it looks cool and it makes them look cool, but people don't care about that. What people want is convenience. People want value. People want something that's going to benefit them. Um, and so in working, especially in manual labor, you really start to appreciate what you have because it's very hard. Uh, it's very difficult to work long days out in the sun and it's tiring. But it's very rewarding mentally and it also just makes you really appreciate the things that we take for granted. And so and I guess what I'm trying to say in providing value, if you're if you want to be an, if you want to be an entrepreneur or if you want to sell any product or if you want to go into sales, whether that's even just door to door, you have to ask yourself, what value can I provide to the world? And we did an episode um, a little while back where we talked about an ikigai which is your sense of being. It's a Japanese concept. And one of the, the, it's comprised of a few components and a few of them are, what am I good at? How can I leverage what I'm good at to make money and whatnot? And so sort of asking yourself these things helps you provide this sense of value and give this value to the world that is needed because each individual person has something unique to bring to the table, right? So if you can sort of identify those things that you want to give to the world, then you're going to be much more successful. There's a book called The Go-Giver, and it's, it's essentially about authenticity and how instead of doing things for money, it's about doing things because you truly want to give. Uh, if you want to receive a lot, then you have to give first. So if you want to receive money, if you want to make money doing what you're good at, you have to be authentic in what value you're giving to people. Yeah, I think... You know, I've done landscaping in the past for, you know, properties with acreage, and I think you're right. One of the things that is most valuable about those kind of jobs is the perspective, right? You know, I, I think you can't truly respect the people who, like, that's their career. You can't truly respect farmers until you kind of, you do that work. Mm -hmm. You put in that work, and you come home, and you're covered in dirt, like, you're sore, and then you just, like, sit in the shower, and you're like, oh, for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Like, that's when you truly realize like the value of that hard work and like how much work those types of people put in and I think it, it's just great and I think it's something that everybody needs to experience because you know there are people who grew up really comfortable really wealthy um, don't have to put in those kind of hard works and they take that for granted right they see those blue-collar laborers as just you know oh well they weren't smart enough or they didn't work hard enough mm -hmm. or anything like that no I mean they just weren't handed the same set, uh, they weren't handed the same keys that you were, mm -hmm. and so they have to drive a different car. It doesn't mean the car is any less valuable, it just means that they're two different cars, and I think that that's so valuable, and why I enjoyed landscaping is because, like, it gave me the perspective of valuing that hard work. 
now for me personally, that's not something that I'd like to do my entire no, life. It's, but yeah. I think it's something that everybody needs to experience for at least a short amount of time because it really gives you that great amount of perspective. And I think it's really interesting you say about um, selling to what people want and what people think are convenient. I think that it's more of a balance, right? I think for those social media creators who post things because they think that they're cool, I think that's great. I think that, you know, right. even if it doesn't receive those likes or it doesn't receive those sales, if it's something you like to do, if it's something you are proud of as a product, go ahead and sell it. Sure. I think what it is is just that balance, right, of you have to be happy with the product, but you also have to make it so that other people are happy right. with it. And so it's that tinkering. I think, you know... One of my business ideas, and I'm sharing this, hopefully it doesn't get stolen, right? And we've talked about this in length, is um, we currently use, like, UV technology and kind of um, these infrared readers to scan crops. It's a very recent invention, one that I've looked into a lot, um, to scan crops and tell what kind of pesticides have been used on it. Um, We have these sensors for cannabis that tell what exactly the strain of cannabis is and if it's laced or not. And so my business idea is applying that to drinks, right? If you have a straw that uses that same UV reader technology, it can tell you what chemicals are in your drink. It can tell if your drink's spiked. I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. I would be proud of that product because it helps people. Right. And so my end's covered. But then I also have to make it affordable. I have to make it mm-hmm. so that other people value it. And I would hope that other people value that in the same capacity as, you know, sure. my drink's not going to be spiked. I'm going to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to make it affordable and I have to make people want it. And so that's just the idea of, like, balancing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, this is just an idea, and I haven't done any practical research on it. But it's just that idea of, you know, okay, so I need to make something that I'm proud of so that I can sell it enthusiastically and genuinely. Right. Um, that's the problem when you sell to other people and not for yourself, mm-hmm. is that you go in a pitch meeting, you go into a presentation, and you're not enthusiastic about it. You don't right. see it genuine because you're not really truthfully behind the product. So you need to be behind the product, but you also need to sell something right. that people value. So find that balance. I think, you know, while it's important for your perspective, right, to say that, you know, selling to other people, like, it doesn't have to look valuable. Mm-hmm. It just has to be valuable. It also has to be, you know, valuable to yourself, right. not just to other people. Well, that's, that's a good point. I certainly wasn't trying to, you know, take away from the aspect of doing what you love and making money with it, right? Because it's important to truly love what you do in order to have a passion. And that's, that's a big part of selling something is if you truly have a passion for it, you're going to do a lot better in whatever you're trying to sell or provide value with. But um, I think that I was just more trying to emphasize, I guess, the business aspect of it. If you truly want to monopolize on an idea, on... Or, or I guess monopolize on a product while also doing what you love. You have to understand that there are going to be some things that you have to, I guess, sacrifice for it to give to the people, right? I mean, you have to, like you said, you have to find the balance between what you do love, but also what the people need, what people are willing to pay for. So, yeah, I think that was a good conversation around that. It's important to find the balance. Um, but just a lot of people get kind of too carried away with what they love. Like, and there's no problem with following your passion but at some point you have to kind of find that fine line between doing all the things that you want to do but if you want to be successful in the bills in the business realm it's all about supply and demand it's what people want it's what people need and it's what people are willing to pay for a product or for value right so yeah and i think you know talking about we've kind of been sales related for a minute i think another thing that we've kind of both noticed and we talked about off air is kind of the environment around products and pride month and now I'm going to, like, start this conversation with a disclaimer, like, you know, 
we support Pride Month. Like, we're not disrespecting anybody in that community when we're saying it. But I think what we want to focus on is the fact that it's so ridiculous that we are focused on, like, which companies are selling Pride things and which aren't. And this goes for kind of both sides of the political aisle. You know, you have um, the liberal left. You have them, you know, disappointed in companies that take away Pride stuff or, mm-hmm. um, you know, companies that don't throw their full-fledged support or, you know, even, you know, when you had, like, NHL players who are, like, Russian Catholics or Russian Orthodox, I don't know which religion it was, but you had these NHL players who would, or even, like, the Stahl brothers who were Christian, who would sit out and wouldn't wear Pride jerseys when it was, like, Pride night. Sure. And you had that side complaining about that. And that's, you know, I think it's a personal decision and it's a company decision. So I think that it's ridiculous to care about it from that side. And I also think it's ridiculous on the other side, the other extreme, to boycott a company because they sell Pride things. I'll use mm-hmm. Target as an example, right? You had people on the conservative right who were harassing Target employees because they sold Pride stuff, mm-hmm. which is not deserved. And I think the conclusion that I take from it is that both sides need to realize that the companies do not care. Like, they don't really care about Pride Month or anything like that. They're just in it for the profit. And I think that mm-hmm. it's so silly that we have to have the discussion of, like, you know, which companies support Pride and, you know, if you're on the right, which companies do I need to boycott because they do not, or if you're on the left, which companies do I need to boycott because they don't, Right. Companies are just making that decision. You know, the companies that don't are usually making it for a personal choice or a personal mm-hmm. reason, or in Target's case, because, you know, they had employees harassed. Um, but And companies who do are usually doing it because they're in it for the profits and the money. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, both of those reasons, like, we need to come to the conclusion that it's silly to have such a debate around it. And it's silly to really have a boycott on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, harassing Target employees who make minimum wage, like, those Target employees don't care about what they're selling. They don't care about what you think about their products. They're just there to collect the paycheck. Yeah, out, man. <laughs> like, but, yeah. I mean, well, it's such a it's such a logical fallacy too to like associate one thing with the other, right? Because we're associating a company that sells or doesn't sell with their political views or with their moral views, right? And that's completely wrong. I mean, in business, a lot of the times, ethics goes completely out the window and morals go completely out the window, and it's about profit. Mm-hmm. And so, understanding that is going to be, I mean, like you were saying, it's. A lot of them are selling these products simply for profit because they know that a lot of people will support it and buy it. Um, But another thing that we had sort of talked about with um, Pride Month, and again, like you said, we have nothing against uh, supporting Pride Month, and we do not, um, we are not against anybody who supports Pride Month. Um, However, we, as men, there was, we've noticed, and this isn't just us, this has been across social media, how Pride Month is completely overshadowed men's mental health month and i'm gonna say this out of um not wanting to be try and be a victim here like oh we deserve more attention we deserve this and that we pride month shouldn't be a thing it should all be about men no that's not what we're saying i just think we we did a um episode pretty early on about how you know suicide rates are higher in men the majority of suicides uh are men and the majority of mental health issues are men, right? So I think that that is a huge issue in its own that's overshadowed. And, you know, as, I guess, an adolescent, almost adult male, as a young man who has experienced pretty much the entire range of emotions possible for a human to experience, right? It's just something, I think it's interesting, a lot of big corporations who are selling or aren't selling, or the media who's pushing this out, are completely overshadowing another huge issue or another huge idea or problem in society right is men's mental health and i'm not saying we shouldn't push for pride month or we shouldn't support 
the LGBTQ community. That's not what I'm saying, but I think for it to overshadow men's mental health, men's mental health month is wrong because it makes people feel not included in that sense. And I think a lot of us, you know, even if you celebrate Pride Month fully, like everybody wants equality, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we should celebrate everything equally. Like, yes, we should celebrate Pride Month, but yes, we should also celebrate Men's Mental Health Month. Right. You know, June 14th was Flag Day. That was also overshadowed by Pride Month. We should celebrate all these things equally because they're all equally important, right? You know, I think when we start placing a group of people above another group of people, um, obviously creates a whole different set of issues, right? And, you know, celebrating a specific holiday or specific month isn't a drastic example of that, but it's the start of something. And it's a lot of the reason why we have these arguments is because we don't celebrate everything equally like we should. Um, You know, May is Women's Health Month and Women's Mental Health Month, but I guarantee that a lot of people don't know that because we don't celebrate that equally either. Mm -hmm. It's not, like you said, we're not trying to, like, play the victim card here. Right, and it's not about having more recognition than the other. No, it's just about an equal celebration, and so, you know, June is Men's Mental Health Month, and so because it overlaps with Pride Month, that's what's overshadowed. Mm -hmm. If it was, and this is, like, and this is me personally, like, my truth, if it was a different holiday, I would say the same thing, right? Sure, yeah. Um, I think that as long as it's not like, you know, we're celebrating something horrific, right, we should celebrate everything equally, and we should recognize everything equally, because, you know, we can't place one group of people above another, we can't place one person's story over another, you know, everybody's equally important, and that's the ideal of American society, so that's how we should treat our holidays and our celebrations as well. And if Pride Month were in May, we would be having the same conversation that it's, if it were overshadowing Women's Mental Health Month, right, it's the same idea. Everything is equally as important. People in turn, like people, are equally as important no matter what category you fall under, or the identity you choose, or what anything like that. It's mostly just for a representation of all groups of people that deserve to be recognized. And I guess I wouldn't say celebrated for men's, men's mental health, but just to be talked yeah. about and dealt with and, and recognized. And yeah. recognized, right? So, I think a lot of you know the corporations and the the media that's taking taking over the the importance of pride month is sort of kind of neglecting to also cover men's mental health month and saying that i think it's important to note that that's not getting at people in the lgbtq community that's more of it like the media and the corporations in the business side of it that have sort of leveraged that for profit while also neglecting another important issue it's not one issue is more important than the other but it's what's pushed out you know, to the people, and so it's a lot easier to realize, to see one thing and forget about another. Well, and the problem I have with it is a lot of us recognize that that's the issue. Like, you see a lot of memes about how, like, you know, June 30th, it's all, you know, they have the Pride Month in their logo, like, everything, and then the second June ends, like, everything is switched back to normal, right? right. Um, you, um, the thing that I see a lot of times is, like, your Instagram profile picture, like Xbox, PlayStation, like, all these companies, like, the second it is July 1st boom it's back to normal and so we all recognize that that's what's happening and that they celebrate pride month strictly for you know to appease people and to um you know be more profit driven get as much revenue as possible then they're not actually in support of um the lgbtq community fully and we recognize that but we don't do anything about it we make memes right. about it instead of you know kind of recognizing and pushing back against that mm-hmm. And that's what I I kind of take issue with is that like if we all recognize that that's what's happening that's a problem why are we still having the culture war over like Pride Month and like right. who sells what product when we all kind of recognize what's going on and it's not like 
oh, this moralistic shift where, like, we're abandoning traditional things and we're throwing our full weight behind, like, you know, these toxic things. It's, no, they're, they're, they care about one thing, and it's green, and it's called money, and, they, like, they don't, right. they don't care about anything else. Like, you have to realize that a lot of these companies, you know, make a lot of their products in China who has a spotty LGBTQ record. Like, they don't... It's the same thing as, like, you know, like, boycotting certain companies for their you know, labor record, while other companies like Nike have sweatshops in China. Like, right. it's the same kind of argument, right? Mm-hmm. We pick and choose what we want to be mad at right. instead of kind of addressing it equally across the board. And it's it's also, it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, the company Sheen? Mm-hmm. The same people that are, like, worried about, you know, the child labor are the same people that are buying, like, 20 items a day. And it's like, well, there's a, there's a solution that we have clearly laid out, but no one's taking any action towards the solution. So... I guess it's like the same thing, right? We have a problem and a solution, but then we have this culture war that's completely overshadowing our ability to act. So I guess the biggest thing, it's not even that personally I'm struggling with my mental health. I guess like as an individual, I don't really care about men's mental health month because it doesn't affect me. And that's one way to look at it, but it's more for the the men that I do know that are struggling and that do need help and that the majority of people that deserve recognition for the problems and the struggles that they're going through, it's more about the greater good. If we all thought individually, it would be much different, right? But it's more about the greater good for the people. Well, and it's interesting, right, that, and I mean, this is obviously targeted at a certain um, group of kind of ideological people, but the people who say, you know, like, that toxic masculinity puts down men's mental health and that we tell men to, you know, you know, not talk about our feelings and just kind of bottle up are the same group of people who, like, push Pride Month and then overshadow Men's Mental Health Month and make fun of Men's Mental Health Month. Um, you can't have both sides, right? You can't say, you know, oh, toxic masculinity, men are putting men down, and then be, you know, like, oh, men's mental health isn't important. Like, Maybe we don't need to recognize right. that. Um, you can't have one without the other. And I think that that's why it's important, you know, like we've pushed that there is no such thing as toxic masculinity and that if you you know practice true traditional masculinity and the good aspects of it and you don't listen to the toxic influences in the world you're not going to have these problems right and so part of that is celebrating recognizing not celebrating but recognizing men's mental health month and i think that's why we're pushing for it and again you know celebrate pride month with that there's nothing wrong with doing that but i think it's also important to recognize men's mental health month and check in with your check in with your guys definitely yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I think um, certainly have a lot more to share, but I think that's a good place to end. I think we've um, kind of gone over our main thing, which is college. You know, college is coming up. We're going to be in a whole different situation in two months. The podcast is going to be in a whole different situation. Podcasts will look different. We don't even really know what it's going to look like, but it'll be here. We, we have faith. We it'll have faith. Good. Yeah, it's sometimes all you can do. But I think, you know, the these topics that we talked about today – if we did another current event reflection, you know, episode would look completely different in a few months, simply yeah. just due to the trajectory of our lives and the choices that we're making and the things we're involved with. But these are just the current things in, you know, as we come towards the end of June, at the, the end of June, um, and this very transitional moment that we're sort of approaching very quickly. Um, you know, I think, I feel like the majority of what we say, we say more from a non-biased perspective, but simply from an informed decision-making using facts, and that's how we sort of formulate our opinions on certain issues. Um, But, you know... Yeah, no, I think it's important, you know, to have these conversations, and I think that 
stoicism can be involved in what are more like social political issues i think that there's an element of stoicism where you just think logically not emotionally that is very valuable as it especially relates to these issues where we're currently having um a culture war which i'll use air quotes we don't video anymore but a culture war of some sorts if we think you know rationally logically we realize that you know we may be far apart on these issues but it's not something that we need to have a, a culture war on um we talked about pride month and the kind of company-based side of it ultimately i think the enemy is not each other in these situations it's no. the companies themselves it's the businesses that are trying to profit off and drive people to think a certain way so they well, can and, make they, money. and they thrive and exploit the kind of culture war ex- itself and you know target may say you know like oh we're not ha- like we're disappointed in having to take away the products and you know their workers are hurt by it but again they don't really care it's the company and if they're still making money they're happy so i think that's what we need to realize and i think that's why it's important to have those conversations is not everybody you know um realizes that and not everybody you know is able to kind of pull themselves out of that kind of emotional thinking sphere and getting angry over the issues and you know think take a step back and say you know who's really at fault here and i think that's why it's important to have the conversation today and so it's a good thing for us to kind of have this reset we usually go pretty hard with the stoic episodes and with mm-hmm. quotes and you know telling you this value is important and i think it's just important to take a step back and say you know this is kind of what we've seen we're reflecting mm-hmm. on a couple of things and just give you that update and i think it's it's good to decompress and level with an audience well i just have one more thing to add as well i guess with the we the current event issues whether it's pride month and that the stigma around that or anything there's a there's a metaphor that i heard it's about if you put red ants and black ants in a jar and leave the jar, then they're going to be totally fine. But as soon as someone shakes the jar, then they're going to blame each other and then they'll start attacking each other, right? It's sort of the same thing with this, and again, I'll quote, the, the culture war that we're experiencing. It's It shouldn't be the people versus the people. It's the bigger companies, the, the people who are chasing profit, who are short, sort of shaking the jar and causing us to think that there's these issues with each other but indeed that's actually not the case if we just step back and look at the issue from a non-biased perspective it's very easy to see that the solution is in the problem and that the actual issue it's never person versus person it should be the people working together to find a solution it's that simple um now the the process for doing that for each individual issue is certainly more complicated but the ideology and the just i guess the the method of finding the solution is very simple it should be the people standing together to find the issue it shouldn't be one side is right one side is wrong all the time right i think the way that i would put it is the first step is always the same the solution is different right the first step is sitting down and having these conversations and now we agree so it's a lot easier for us to have this conversation right but have this conversation with somebody who disagrees i think that's the first step is come to a mutual understanding and you know in this situation we our mutual understanding is that like it's the companies that are at fault and it's not you know people who are gung-ho about pride month and want to overshadow it's not their fault it's not people who you know boycott it's not their fault both certainly have their faults in it and are have some wrong and some right in their opinion but neither one is to truly blame for the problem and so i think just take the first step and it's being able to sit down and have you know not an emotional not a heated conversation but come to some sort of mutual understanding i think that's something that stoics would agree with and so as a stoic based podcast i think if there's one thing you want to take away that's kind of you know ah this is what i learned about stoicism today it's that when we have these kind of you know social political like culture war issues like the first step is just take a step back think rationally think logically and then find someone maybe 
it, whether it's someone you agree with or somebody you disagree with, come to a mutual understanding on something. Right. Compromise if you have to. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very valuable skill to have, and I think it's something that leads to a lot more solutions than a lot more problems. Because compromising is ultimately getting farther than you would if you were to keep pointing fingers at each other blindly, right? So, again, as Stoics, what they would do is they would remain calm, use logic in any sort of argument or debate or whatever, and they, they wouldn't allow it to get emotional or to get heated. You will never see a Stoic in a heated debate getting very angry because what they do is they understand that emotion doesn't win arguments. You have to stay logical and you have to stay calm. So having very um, calm and just conversations that are very not harmful to one another, it's just simply an exchange of opinion, but informed opinion is very important to be able to have. That's a skill that I feel like in today's society we don't have simply because we resort to pointing fingers and using emotion in our arguments, but that's just, that's kind of the bigger takeaway from this episode. Yep, so um, this has been episode 20 of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. We did it a little bit different today. Um, I'm just gonna, I, I can say personally it was a bit more fun for me. I think we got to give like our true, like just unfiltered sure. opinions on it, and I think that It's always good to do that um, with each other, and it's also fun to do that with an audience who engages with us. Um, So, as always, we thank you for listening. Like I said, this has been episode 20 of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. I've been your co-host, Ren. I've been your co-host, Mateo, and we will see you next time.